Pittsburgh Steelers fans, what is going on? Welcome back to another episode of The Standard is the Standard. I am Jeff Harbin, editor of BehindTheSteelCurtain.com. And for those of you that are joining us live on YouTube, we have a special treat. No, it's not just the fact that I'm wearing the throwback Mario Lemieux jersey again because they won last week. I wore it last week. I'm a superstitious dude, and so I'm wearing it again this week. Also, not only am I joined by Lance Williams, my typical co-host, but also Chris Carter from DK Pittsburgh Sports joins us. Gentlemen, we'll go with Lance. How are you doing, Lance, this evening? I'm doing fantastic, Jeff. Man, you're so Pittsburgh, I guess. Pittsburgh <laughs> sl- slash Maryland with the I got to roll out the same uh, jersey. You know, There is no slash Maryland. I don't like anything from Maryland except for Old Bay seasoning is the, and crabs, crabs and crab cakes. That's the only thing from Maryland that's worth a damn, in my opinion. How about lake trout sandwiches and crab chips? Crab chips are great. Lake trout, what are you talking about? That's, <laughs> that, that, that's, that's a Baltimore thing. All my Baltimore. Ah, I, I avoid Baltimore like the freaking plague, my friend. <laughs> lake I don't trout sandwiches, baby. <laughs> and Chris Carter is joining us as well. Not to disrupt. Hey, Jeff, I lost you for a oh, second. Oh, I'm sorry. I'm just go ahead and welcoming you to the show. I didn't know what happened there. Oh, no. Yeah, yeah, no. Yeah, great to be back on. Glad to, always glad to be part of the show. This is where it all got, all, all got started. Whoop, my camera's getting, or my battery's getting low, so I'm going to take the camera off. Um, but, uh, yeah, man, great to be on the show. Glad to have you back. Uh, let's, let's talk some ball. Let's talk some Steelers. And as we all know, the Pittsburgh Steelers are victorious in Week 15 as they beat the New England Patriots 17-10. to 10. Uh, now that we've had some time to kind of digest this, before we go and dig into the next game, which would be obviously the Week 16 matchup in New Orleans against the Saints, which is super intriguing for so many reasons. We'll get into that in a second. Um, I just kind of want to pick your guys' brains about now that everything is kind of settled down, we've all had a chance to at least rewatch some of the film. Was there anything that jumped off the page or that you were able to glean from the footage uh, in the second time around? That you're like, you know, man, the Steelers really did this well. Maybe they didn't do this well. Uh, Lance, throw it to you first. Well, I know you had some thoughts on, on the game tape, especially offensively. What were some of your thoughts on uh, what happened in Heinz Field last week? I was really impressed, uh, you know, first of all, from a defensive standpoint for what Butler tried to do and what they were able to execute. They looked pretty disciplined in their zone drops and where they were supposed to be in zone coverage. I was impressed by that. And I was impressed by the fact that they were able to get consistent pass rush with four people. You know, I thought Watt was cooking. I thought he was cooking from the first snap. And, and I really think they made Brady uncomfortable back there. Although they only got one sack, they got him off his spot consistently and they were able to hit him from an offensive standpoint. Although they won the game, I thought the game plan was curious from the standpoint, I thought that they were running it well enough that it could have been a run play action type game and they could have gone that route. I thought they kind of got out of sorts at points when they drastically switched. It seemed like every other series as they were going 21 personnel and then as they were, uh, you know, in some series they were going five wideouts, really trying to spread the Patriots out you know, trying to get them off rhythm that they lost some of the continuity in the offense. Another thing, and you can speak to this, CC, as I throw it to you next, I would like to see them be a little bit more creative with Antonio Brown so he's not running as many isolation routes where he has to win, where play design helps him win a little bit more at times. Yeah, I mean, I think part of that's the is the is the isolation aspect. Um, the Steelers have done really well at times this year when they've been able to line him up next to somebody and use McDonald or Hunter or Rogers or Roger Switzer as a screen guy, uh, and that allowed him to create automatic separation. Um, you saw that when McDonald did that against Ramsey and that one of those last plays against the Jaguars. Um, but uh, at the same time, I do think a lot of this, uh, Antonio Brown still beats people pretty consistently when he gets those isolation looks. Um, and I, I do think that the, the offense needs to get a little bit more aggressive sometimes, um, especially, to, you know, taking the, taking the one-on-one shots they did early in this game. They just weren't able to connect. Um, uh, but I mean, right now, if you're asking me for what they're doing really well, the Patriots defensively, they were never really – the two turnovers they had came from misthrows, misfires by Ben. They weren't schematic 
you know, plays where they just they were just all over the, all over the play and they blew it up because they were they outsmarted the Steelers. They were just bad plays that could have been reversed by 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 Roethlisberger if he just threw it in the right spot. Um, but um, you know, when you when I looked at when I looked at the distribution, you look at the targets and you look at the catches. It was a pretty even distribution. They got Brown the targets, they got Juju the targets, they got McDonald a few. Rodgers was involved. They got one to Switzer, and then you know they mixed it up between Samuels and Jesse James and some other guys, um, and James Washington getting involved in there. That prevents the the Patriots from doing what they do best defensively, and that's taking away your top option. Because if you're if you're able to move the ball without having to focus on your top two guys, that forces a strain on them, and I think that helped them a lot early. Now, of course, they didn't put up any points in the second half really because. Um, they, I think they had some some serious continuity issues, and that would be my biggest concern moving forward um, uh, because the offense really has been stagnant the past, you know, the, the, in, this, in the second half in the past, you know, four games since the Jaguars, really. Um, but defensively, one thing I've been being on for a while, Keith Butler's been trying to make this defense a group that can show one one scheme, switch to another immediately after the snap, and make sure that everything's intact. Um, they did that very well, and when you do stuff like that, you'll confuse the top quarterbacks in the league, um, and, I, and I think it's stuff like that would help them against the Patrick Mahomes and other guys like that. So that would be my biggest thing moving forward is when they were disguising the, their coverages, they were doing well, and while they were also holding up, the, you know, they, they were making sure they weren't abandoning key spots in the field. And you know what you said that they're going to have a really good test this Sunday as Drew Brees is their next opponent, obviously, and one of the best in the game right now, mm-hmm. at least. Uh, but Lance, I want to go back to something you said. You brought up play action pass. I saw this statistic the other day on Twitter, and the Steelers are in the bottom five of all NFL teams in terms of percentage plays that they actually run play action pass. And the crazy thing is, is that it's not like they, I mean, they've abandoned the run from time to time, but it's not like they did that in week 15. They were running the ball so well. I thought that, that would have been a perfect situation. And Lance and Chris, we'll go with Lance first. Do you think this is a situation where this is just not Randy Feetner's cup of tea, that he's not a fan of the play action, or could it be Ben Roethlisberger? I don't know. Maybe it's that they're not under center as much as they used to. What are your thoughts on why they're not running play action pass? And correct me if I'm wrong. I think sometimes when we talk about play action, we think of play action or traditional play action where, you know, you're faking the ball in the belly of the receiver and you're turning your back to, uh, to the football field. And then you're, you know, you're getting your head around, making a read, bottom foot hitting, and you're letting the ball go and getting it out that way. That, that's traditional play action. That's, you know, that's absolutely traditional play action. But you can also do play action off of, run action off of RPO stuff and you can do it out of shotgun as well. You know, you just need the play fake. Uh, and if I'm guessing if they're not doing it, I would think that it's probably a Ben Roethlisberger thing. I think a coordinator, a really good coordinator is going to try to cater the game plan to what his quarterback feels is com- he's comfortable with. And that usually comes from input from, the quarterback and given Ben Roethlisberger's stature in the organization as a two-time franchise winning quarterback, I would guess that the lack of play action is probably being predicated from his side. Chris, do you agree with that? I actually do agree with that because I said the Steelers needed to do more play action when Todd Haley was the, was the, was the OC. Um, you know, just especially when they had Le'Veon Bell in, I thought I just didn't understand why. Hey, they're loading the box. Why? Why aren't you? Faking it to his gut, watch those linebackers suck up and hit 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 a tight end for 10, 15 yards over the middle. Um, and it didn't happen enough in my book. Um, you know, I think that it would really help this offense out because you gotta make defenses guess in this game. You can't let them be comfortable and say, okay, well, they're passing, okay, we'll do this. Or they're running, okay, we'll do this. Um, and uh they they you know they don't do that enough, but at the same time, some of it might be a comfortable, a comfortable situation with uh with Ben Roethlisberger, because you saw some of the RPOs. That's where some of his biggest mistakes have come from. I mean, look at the the, the Broncos interception when he didn't know when to pull it from from uh, Connor's gut, um, and he, he ended up throwing it over the middle and then getting picked off. Um, some of that might be some of that might actually be just Ben saying, "Hey, you know, I don't I don't feel the, the best when I'm doing that. I like to be able to see the field the whole time." 
Um, and it could be a style thing, but I do agree with Lance. It's a play action to me has always been one of the, the major big things. If you do it right in, in football, if you run the ball well and you can run play action well, you can hurt a lot of teams offensively and in cheap ways that don't require you to make as risky a throw. And speaking of the running game, I think you look now and um, it, looking at the injury report from today, it's not looking good for James Conner, although I'm going to hold out judgment until later in the week. Obviously, the show is being recorded on Wednesday. Um, it's just one of those situations where um, that high ankle sprain, this can take three, four weeks. And when you have players, I think it was uh, Ramon Foster saying that you know, they're hoping they make the playoffs and he's 100% by then. It's just uh, it's definitely not a good situation for them. Thankfully, they do have uh, Jalen Samuels. Um, but here's a question that I posed on the website this afternoon. Uh, I, I haven't had a chance to get. I'll, I'll look it up while you guys are answering the question. Um, what do you think the Steelers should do? Lance and I touched on this briefly on our postgame show on Sunday. What do you think the Steelers should do with their backfield once James Conner is healthy and assuming Jalen Samuels is still healthy in terms of splitting up the division of labor, so to speak. Chris, we'll start with you. How do you think they should shape that? I mean, get get Connor back in there to, to establish your power run offense. Um, I think one thing that, that, that may be a future thing for this Steelers team, if they don't go out and get a premier running back in the draft or in free agency, the Samuels, if he can be consistent in how, he, how hard he, he ran against the Patriots – I could see them becoming a thunder and lightning sort of thing, like a John Stewart, D'Angelo Williams kind of combination because Samuels, he looked a lot more comfortable running in the, in the zone schemes and picking a hole and shooting through it and letting his legs do the work. Um, while Connor, he's a guy I've been saying all season, you give him a fullback or, or a pulling guard and he just wants to run off their hip and bounce off a guy and get physical. And that can be very punishing of a ground attack when you combine both of those two and, and have their legs be fresh throughout a game, um, I would, you know, I'd lean, if I can, if, if, if I'm the Steelers and I get back James Conner, I'm going on a 70-30 sort of balance between him and Samuels. Um, I, I, you know, but at the same time, while I like some of the things Samuels does, does in the passing game, Conner was looking pretty good in the passing game too most of the season. You know, he had a couple drops late and he had a fumble, you know, in the, uh, in the Broncos game, but, uh, but at the same time, yeah, you know, I look, I look across the board and I think this guy, this guy's definitely got the talent. Yeah. I think the key thing is you don't want to have them rely on one particular guy and have him make the, and, and that's when you start seeing, uh, them lose focus and make those, those mistakes, like letting the ball get a little too far from your chest. So, uh, definitely use the two as a balance and who knows that might be a combination that, that helps to find the, the offense moving forward. Yeah, I don't, disagree. I don't disagree with you, CeCe. I think you're spot on. I think both of those guys, their skill sets kind of complement each other. They have right. different running styles, and they both have the ability to catch the ball out of the backfield. And they're both young, and contractually, they're both cheap. Exactly. So when you have that combination, I love what you said, CeCe. 70-30, 60-40, yeah. go with the hot hand whoever's rolling, whoever the matchup plays better for in their style. I think, you know, having multiple weapons and multiple guys that can play quality football is, is always a good thing. And I think the Steelers, like we said, like I said, or, or we both said, Jeff, on Sunday, they have their running back tandem for the next two to three years. Samuels and Connor will be the running back tandem. They don't have to fill that spot. They can use that money that they got back from that guy that I won't name, and they can use that to fill some of their holes on this football team. So I, I, I think that it, it's a wealth of riches, I think, with both of those guys. And so, you know, Feetner will figure it out, and I think they have two quality football players. Yeah. Okay, so let's get right into our true or false segment. I know, CC, you've been on the show before. You know how we do it. Lance, obviously, you know how to do it. And if you're the first-time listener to the show, what we do is we make a statement, and then we say whether we think the statement is true or false, and we explain why. We try not to spend too much time on any one topic. All right, so speaking of Jalen Samuels and James Conner, the statement is Jalen Samuels' success and production decreases the overall... I guess we'll call it the shine 
of James Conner. This is alluding to more of the fact that maybe the Steelers' offense is just a plug-and-play type of offense and that really you could put Steven Ridley back there at times and he'd probably be effective as well. So is that statement true or is it false? We'll go with Lance first. I'm going to say false because we all saw Jalen Samuels play against the Oakland Raiders. Some of us were in attendance. And he, so, didn't, he didn't play that bad. He didn't have any opportunities. Uh, when he was running, he looked like he had three refrigerators on his back. <laughs> filled, filled with steaks. So I don't think there's anything you can do to diminish how good a football James Conner played. And he was rewarded by being a pro bowler. So I think that says it all. Okay. What about you, CC? I agree in the false category because I do think there is there is amount of scheme that the, the, the Steelers are able to pull off that's successful. But you see the strengths of each player coming in different situations. Connor, again, power runner. gets you know, He likes to build up momentum. And when he sees his hole and he knows where he's supposed to go and he commits to it, he is tough to bring down. Samuels, he's slippery. He likes to pick his holes. He likes to try and get – Get, get out there and, you know, he's that H-back style runner. Um, and that's the thing with Le'Veon Bell that, you know, when people say, oh, well, they have better numbers with these guys than they do Le'Veon Bell. And I'm like, yeah, but Le'Veon Bell still did things that they can't do. And uh, a lot of their runs have come in situations where teams have just not f- flooded the holes because they're so concerned with the Steelers passing game and not concerned with, uh, with, with, with these two guys that they're like, oh, they – they, they're, not, they're not the killers on this team. we got to worry about Juju Smith-Schuster and Antonio Brown. Um, but Le'Veon Bell, I mean, there were several times people would be up in A-gap, up in B-gap, and he would make them miss and get the three, four, five yards. Um, and those are, the, those are the, the plays that don't show up on stat sheets they, because people say, oh, well, James Conner and Jalen Samuels, they're averaging more yards per game and the team is you know, averaging a little bit more points per game. Well, yeah, it's because teams aren't, aren't focusing on them as much because they're not the superstars. Um, and I think that they each have their own merits, each have their own styles that fit well to this team. But I don't think it's I don't think it's necessarily a scheme that helps them when I do think that their their talents are good. Um, but I mean, again, in the NFL, I think there's a lot of talented. There's a lot there's a lot of guys that can run the ball behind well-blocked schemes. But there's different things that, that people bring. James Conner, he's a battering ram. You know, when you when he gets out in space and he sees you at the second level, he's going to be tough to bring down. Samuels, I think he's a guy, he's, like you said, he's slick. He picks his holes. And he's a good jump cut guy. Like, if he sees his hole, he's going to burst through it real quickly. Um, you know, his footwork need, needs some improvement. But so did Le'Veon Bells in his early days. And you saw how that developed into, uh, you know, the, over the past two or three years. So, uh, I, I say false, but I also think it's because each running back has their merits and we're seeing them play out. Okay, let's go to the next one. Uh, we're going to turn now to the Saints game. I have a lot of these for the Saints game. So the key, here's the statement. The key to stopping the New Orleans Saints offense is pressuring and hitting Drew Brees. Uh, we'll go with CC first. True or false? Uh, true. Uh, true, but I, I have to add a caveat that it, it's it's going to come to the defensive front, hitting Drew Brees, but also closing down the rushing lanes for for the Saints. They need to be able to change the line of scrimmage. This offensive line for the Saints is banged up. Armstead's hurt. Unger's hurt. And those are two key players. Um, this Saints offensive line not too long ago was being considered with the Steelers as, as among the best in the NFL. Um, but Unger is a great center in my eyes when I study him. If he's not in the middle like they don't expect him to be, that's a lot of communication you're going to expect someone else to do, and, and that's going to be a lot of shifting. If the Steelers' defensive line dominates the, the, the that point and they start getting after Drew Brees and start shutting down the run, they're going to win. So I, I say true. All right, what do I you agree. Win? I agree. I say true. And to CeCe's point in terms of how you rush Drew Brees, you have to make short quarterbacks retreat, and yes. you have to make them stay in the pocket where their height is at a disadvantage. When Drew Brees has to drift and drift back, you can beat Drew Brees. If Drew Brees is moving laterally in the pocket or stepping up, you're getting carved up. So as long as they can do that and make Drew Brees retreat consistently in the pocket, they'll be in action and in play to win this game. And I can tell you guys, when I I was in the locker room for the Browns game early this year, and uh, I was talking to Stephon Tewitt with Dale Alla, and we were asking him about, like, you know, what the plan was. And it seemed like, hey, you guys seem to close up them, them passing lanes for him. And he was like, yeah, 
Baker's short. We knew that coming in. And so I think, and they said they knew if they, if they blocked his line of sight, it was not going to be easy for him to process and uh, make the throws he wanted around the field. I think a similar plan's coming. They know that Tewitt and Hayward uh, have been playing well. They're going to use them to block, to block the eyesight and make it more difficult for, for Drew Brees to execute. But Lance brings up a good point. This is Drew Brees. He may be old, but he's not Tom Brady. He was okay with running out there, creating with his legs, and then throwing the ball down the field. So they got to keep him contained. He's gonna be, I'm going to keep my eyes on Bud Dupree, TJ Watt, and whoever else they have on the edge. Moves some Anthony Ciccolo a little bit in this game um, to make sure that he doesn't break out of the pocket and he has to stay there. Yeah, I think those are all good answers. I agree with you guys. Let's go to the next true or false statement. True or false, the Steelers win if Ben Roethlisberger throws less than 35 times. CC, go ahead. Mm, I say false because if he doesn't, if he, if he, if they try to run the ball a lot and the Saints play some controlled offense, they, they, I can see the, I can see that being. Uh, not a guaranteed thing. I think there's a chance that, yeah, sure, if the Steelers don't throw the ball a lot, maybe that means that they're getting success on the ground. But I, I still see this as a, as, a, as a chance for the Steelers to attack. Eli Apple is a guy I am circling in on the, on the chalkboard and saying, we have to pick at this guy. If I'm Mike Tomlin, Randy Feekner, and Ben Roethlisberger in, in the chalkboard room, I'm saying, you know, if whoever he lines up on, at any time, there is no safety help, and, it, and it's and it's Juju or AB. We are we, we are telling that guy run a nine, run a deep post, run a corner, run something that exposes him, this man, and run your best route because he will fall for the double move. Uh, and he he has proven to be susceptible to those types of plays. I don't think it's necessarily the answer to throw the ball less. I know everyone's big on the run pass ratio, but I still think this team can do a lot of damage through the air. What's the question again, Jeff? Say, say it again, because I want to make sure. You, you know, I always mix these up. The statement, statement, <laughs> statement is the Steelers will win if Ben Roethlisberger throws less than 35 times. We've talked about this a lot on the show before. Lance, what are your thoughts? I mean, I want to disagree with CC, but, but I think it's false. They're going to have to score some points to win this game. Even if they execute the plan that Butler and the staff draws up to perfection, they're going to have to put some points on the board. I mean, New Orleans has weapons. It's indoors. It's fast. You got Al Adams. You got Kamara. You got Ingram. They got some weapons. They got Watson. And they got one of the best to ever do it. So you're going to have to put up some points. I think if Ben doesn't turn the football over, they have a really good chance. So if he can throw the ball more than 35 times, that's fine. It's about him turning the football over and wasting possessions. I think that's more of an issue. Than it is, but I think you're absolutely right, CC. Eli Apple is aka the proverbial candy bar. He is a Snickers, <laughs> he is a Snickers fry, Snickers. fry guys. <laughs> yes, yes, he is. He is the candy bar, and they have to get after the candy bar because also, one thing about the Saints, if you watch them, they do play the run very well. If I'm not mistaken, they might be the best statistically, the best run defense in the National Football League. Uh, yeah, Davenport and, and, and Jordan are two really, really good guys up front. Um, I, I like Alex Anzalone. I think that they got they got some talented guys in that front seven. That's where I was concerned the most about this game was that the Steelers couldn't win in the trenches um, and that these guys would really get after them. Um, I think that the fact that they're that the Saints offensive line is hurt might get help the Steelers defensive line get an edge. But uh the Steelers offensive line, they got to bully up on a Patriots defensive front that I've, that I said from, from the door was not nearly as strong. I, I looked at them like cupcakes. I look at these guys like they're studs. They're going to be tough to stop. Um, and this is going to take a full effort from this group. Matt Filer is going to have to have the game of his season out on that edge. It's going to be something to watch, that's for sure. All right, next one's going to be tough. And I don't know. I, I, it's tough for me to answer this one because no one really knows. It's any given day. True or false, Chris Boswell will not miss a kick in Week 16. That includes extra points and field goals. Lance, what say you? Jeff, you gave the guy a 1.0 grade, dude. Like, hey, I haven't answered yet. I'm asking you. <laughs> false. You think he misses one? Absolutely. Yes, I think he does. Uh, false. He, he will miss something. Uh, CC, what do you say? Hold on, guys. I'm looking to see if I have a quarter. All right, here we go. Here we go. He's flipping the floor. 
heads. Okay, he's not gonna miss one, guys. I say this. <laughs> The coin landed heads. I said heads. He doesn't miss. Okay, that's that's what I'm banking it on. There you go. I, I literally don't have anything on Boswell. Um, the kicking motion. He's in his own head. He has to get it out. Maybe he fixed. He figured it out with that kick, and maybe he has some confidence. He didn't figure anything <laughs> out, man. No, but I'm, I'm, I'm not saying he. I'm not saying he was like, oh, that's what I've been doing wrong this whole time. But he just has to go out there and just say, look. I got I, I to gotta get this job done and not worry about his past mistakes. It, it's it's like a golf swing. It's like it's like you know when any it's like a baseball swing. Sometimes you hit slumps. Boswell's in the slump. Um, you know it's obvious this guy can hit 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 the kicks. He hits he's hit the most kicks in a single uh, playoff game when he beat the Chiefs basically by his dang, dog dog on self. Um, and so I, yeah, I, I I say you 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 got. I, I was on with Mark Madden and John Steigerwald a couple weeks ago on the final word when they were saying to cut Boswell immediately. And I was like, well, if someone comes in and, and does well in camp, okay. But, or does, does well and really well in practice and shows, oh, that guy's, that guy's been waiting for this shot. Then, then you consider that move. But you don't just cut the guy who has bailed you out of so many games just because he's in a slump right now. Now, in training camp, different story. But right now, it's too late. It's, it's too late in the season for that. And uh, I mean, you saw the, the the Jaguars or whoever signed four bath, and everyone's like, "Oh, he made two kicks." I'm like, "Yeah, Josh Scobie made a couple kicks too," and we saw how that worked out. Yeah, the thing about Boswell, and you know, before last week they brought in Swisham to work with. To be honest with you, I, I was watching closely when the Steelers drove down, and scored a touchdown. I was like, yeah, "I want to watch this extra point closely." And because he's a golfer, and I've, I've talked about the parallels between the kicking motion and the golf swing and the spin of the ball, yada, yada, yada. And it was tried and true, man. That was a very straight kick. I was like, wow. He must have, Suisha must have seen something to kind of get him right, to kind of maybe get him back into it. And next thing you know, the 32-yarder was just, nope, man. Well, I mean, that was, that was a block. I mean, that was literally, um, golfers know what that is, where you just block yep. it out to the right. It wasn't even close. Um, there was no curve on it. It almost looked like he was playing a little draw where it moves right to left, and it, was, it just never moved. And then you look at the the last kick, and the 48-yarder, that was a straight kick. It, it wasn't one of those that starts at the left upright and fades its way back in, the, in between. It was a straight kick. So I think I'm going to say true that he's not going to miss a kick because I feel like, if anything, he didn't have the the spin on the ball that caused it to move a bunch in the last game. Yes, he did miss one, and it was bad at 32 yards. It was from the left hash. I still think that what I saw was at least, if, if, if everything that I say is true with the analogies with the golf swing, that he's at least starting to maybe figure it out. And if I'm the Steelers, I'm bringing Swisham in every single practice until the end of the season because you're clearly sticking with this guy no matter what. You can't have him missing kicks, period. All right, so that's what I say. And yes, Lance, he did get a one last week because he deserved a one last week. So, all right. Um, here's an interesting one. I'm, I'm anxious to hear what you both think of this. Uh, we're going to start with CC here. If the Steelers lose on Sunday, they miss the playoffs. True or false? False. Simply because. Uh, okay. Simply because uh, I, I don't believe in the Ravens. Um, Ravens losing to the Chargers this week. Um, uh, that. Or losing to the Browns, really. I, I don't, I don't see okay. the Ravens as a as a consistent team. Um, and I said this earlier, early in the year, when they beat the tar out of the Bills, and everyone's like, "Oh man, that defense! Look at that defense!" Oh, so I was like, "Okay, everybody, calm down." They like playing a JV high school team, exactly. And Nathan then, Peterman was the quarterback, <laughs> right? Right, exactly. And and I was like, "Everybody, calm down. Let let let's see let's see some other stuff." And then they got destroyed by the Bengals. Um, you know, and I think they're in a similar situation right now. I think there's 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 a there's a the fact that there's no tape on Lamar Jackson is is a benefit to them. Um, but the Chargers are a team. They're going to spread you out as an offense. They're going to pick you apart. Um, they're going to challenge the, the Ravens at several levels. I just I see that I don't see them coming away with a win there. And if they do come away with a win there, I still see the Browns as being a little too pesky and a little too little brothery to the Ravens and uh, I, and I just, I don't see them as a consistent team and as a fast enough team to keep up with uh, both squads enough to win both games. Um, and even so with them, uh, you know, the Colts and the Titans, they're both in interesting positions. They're both inconsistent. I think the Colts are the more dangerous of the two. Um, but yeah, I, I can see the Steelers losing this game 
and even still winning the division and hosting a playoff game. Well, the the Colts and the Titans uh, this week they both have really easy opponents. Uh, the Titans play the Redskins. The Colts play the Giants. Now they you can lose any game in the NFL, but then the final week of the season they play each other. So both of those teams aren't making it. But like you said, it all depends on the Ravens. Lance, what do you think? If the Steelers lose this week, do they get in or no? I think they get in. True. I think they make the playoffs still. Um, okay. It, I, I'm just not really impressed with. To, to CC's point, the Ravens don't have many avenues to win games. They have to run it well, and they have to play good defense. If they don't do one of those things, they can't win the game. They will not score enough points to win and beat the Chargers if they don't do those things well. And they're on the road. And the Chargers are playing for a one seed and the division title. I, I can't see the Chargers dropping the ball in this ball game. I think they're a better football team than the Baltimore Ravens at a variety of positions. And they arguably have an MVP at the quarterback position who might be playing the best ball of his career in Phillip rivers. I just do not see Lamar Jackson going to, going to Los Angeles and running the ball 45 to 50 times as a team and coming out there with a win. So I think the Steelers, I think the Steelers will will be going into that Sunday game with an opportunity to win the division. Yeah, because by the time they hit the, the by the time their heads hit the pillow, they're gonna have, they're gonna know a lot. The Titans play the Redskins at four thirty on Saturday, and then the Chargers and Ravens play at eight thirty, and those are two important games in the AFC playoff picture. So the Steelers will know a lot about the significance of their game before they even go to bed on Saturday night before their Sunday game. So there you go. Now, Lance, you did have some stat geek stuff, didn't you, for uh, this for this show? I, I, I did, but let me let me just run into a couple of ones. I I I, I did have one. I have one. If you want me to go first, uh, let me run into this one. This go, one go. is interesting. Because, All right, go ahead. You know, everybody loves to talk about this topic, so I'm gonna go. I'm gonna give credit to uh, F. Dale Lolly. Hey, hey, Chris, real quick. You you know Dale, and I've had Dale on my old shows and so on and so forth. Dale will never say what the F means. Has he told you what the F stands for? What do you mean? Oh, it is. Oh, it is name. I never yeah. asked him. No. Yeah. yeah. Why don't you get that intel for me? Because it's F Dale Lolly. I'm pretty sure that's what it is. Uh, really? Well, he reported the following. Bad news for the Steelers. Craig Worlstad oh, yeah. <laughs> working the Steelers Saints Sunday. This is the crew that worked the Ravens game in Baltimore. They have called 67 penalties on home teams, 106 on road teams this season. That's an interesting stat. Yeah, I mean, it, it's it, I, that's one thing that Dale, Dale's always good for is he'll, he'll be, he has his insight uh, helps him find a lot of aspects of the game that most people wouldn't expect to, to matter. Um, and that, that's one reason why I always value comparing my notes with him every week. Um, but yeah, I mean, the calls, you know, I, I try to, as an X and O's guy, I try to not study officials because I just, I don't want to feed into the conspiracy theories as much. Um, it's just not a good thing um, for the NFL and not a good thing, but not a fun, not as fun to talk about. Uh, but I mean, the Steelers have to be aware They've had some games where there's been questionable calls against them and questionable calls for them. Um, they got to stay disciplined. They, they were extremely disciplined in this game against the Patriots. Um, you know, this the, but this is the Saints. They're going to they're gonna try and test you in ways that you're not used to. They're, they're, the way they use their both their running backs, the way they spread people out, the way they use Taysom Hill. There's going to be things that no other teams do that the Steelers haven't had a chance to really play against or really test themselves against outside of this week in practice. So the Steelers are going to have to be adept at, at adapting to be able to make sure that they get that, you know, make sure that it's successful. So um, I do think that's an, it's an important feature. Um, you know, Dale, I'll, I'll get the answer on Dale's initial uh, sometime, but uh, yeah, definitely Steelers. I mean, they, they just got to be disciplined on their end. If the bad calls come, the bad calls come. You got to play through no matter what. Conspiracy theorists aside, there are some officials and their crews that just throw flags more than others. Like Pete Morelli is just awful. Yeah. Um, and th thankfully, this isn't him, but the stats don't lie. Here's one that came from Dave Schofield, a good friend of the show and writer for Behind the Steel Curtain. This is interesting. If you follow the game spreads, which I know Lance, who's a big gambler, does, 
the the spread for this upcoming game in week 16 has it depends on the sports book you're looking at i see as low as five and a half and as high as seven and uh, he says that the Steelers haven't been an underdog of six points or more to an NFC team since January 1996, which was Super Bowl 30 when the Steelers played the Dallas Cowboys. And so wow. that's an that's interesting crazy. statistic because the Steelers typically play NFC competition very well. And they've also beaten every single team in the NFC South this year until, well, they obviously haven't played the Saints yet, but they've beaten everyone else. Uh, and I want to say that in those games this year, Ben Roethlisberger has averaged over 300 yards. He's only thrown two picks and 11 touchdowns in that stretch. So he has fared very well against the NFC South. Uh, Lance, do you have any other ones? Uh, well, well, let me read these. Two. I have one more. And um, th- this is Rob Gronkowski's career versus the Steelers. I'm going to just <laughs> read them off from 2010 to 2017. Five receptions, 72 yards, three TDs. Seven receptions, 94 yards. Nine receptions, 143, one TD. Five receptions, 94 yards, three TDs. Good Lord. Four receptions, 93 yards, one TD. And last year, nine receptions for 168. And on Sunday, two receptions for 21 yards. A lot of that is he's physically diminished, and the Steelers had a really good plan to deal with with Rob Gronkowski. And the, the thing I think, just more than those numbers for Gronkowski, is the Steelers have been getting torn up in the seams by tight ends this entire year. So it was good to see them be able to really handle that because they're going to have to handle that moving forward if they want to really contend for the Super Bowl. I mean, yeah, yeah def- definitely, man. I see I see the uh, – sorry, Jeff. I didn't mean to no, go ahead. Um, I was just going to say, last year they were proficient in stopping the tight end pretty much all season except for three plays to Kronkowski at the end. Um, but uh, part of that is, was because Sean Davis was working really well with Ryan Chazier. The two as a tandem would take away uh, tight ends. The passing lanes were there. I mean, go back and look at how Travis Kelsey did against them last year. He was shut down. Um and this year, you see that he exploded on them. I think they Morgan Burnett hasn't been the the immediate answer, but they're starting to figure some things out. So all hope's not lost in the in the in the stop the tight end game. And maybe Terrell Edmonds and Morgan Davis, Sean uh, Morgan Burnett and Sean Davis, maybe they're starting to gel together and understand how they can work together to take that away. Well, I think too, if you look back at last year, and I, I'm not sure if I couldn't hear if you said this, Lance, but last year Gronk. Was held, I think, without a reception in the first half, and then he just exploded in the second half. So kudos to the Steelers for not banging their head against the wall and just thinking we can just continue to do the same thing. But I do want to ask you guys, um, and I did not watch the defense as closely uh, when I watched the game again. I was focusing a little bit more on the offense. Um, did you see the dollar bill defense of CC? And if so, is this something that they could duplicate in Week 16 against the Saints? I think it's something they can use, but they're going to have to get the, the Saints into definite passing downs. Did um, they run it, though, in Week 15? A little bit. Not not a whole lot. Um, but when they when they recognize that the uh, – actually, I take that back. They ran that more often than, than, than most. Um, I think this, this might have been the, the most that they've used it. Um, you know, Because if you go back and you look at the snap counts for that game, you'll see that uh, – uh, sorry – uh Vince Williams he played he played a ton he played he played almost you know all but all but three three snaps all game but the next highest inside linebacker was John Bostic with 15 snaps I mean that's that's a 45 play difference um and, and that and when you look at the the guys who did get the snaps Morgan Burnett Cody Sensabaugh Sean Davis Joe Hayden Terrell Edmonds uh and you know Mike Hilton was up in there uh, that that's to me show that they were going heavy on their defensive backs. They're not afraid to use use those those packages and on the interception, uh, the interception play. It wasn't just you know just the pressure. If you if there, there's a specific angle that was really good on the replay, where you the camera was right behind Brady's head, so you could see everything that he saw, and um, you see that the Steelers come out. Sean Davis is a single high safety. Morgan Burnett sort of like a lone linebacker directly over the center. Um, and it looks like the Steelers are in a cover three, cover one look. You see Josh Gordon's in the slot, and he's going to run a, run a go route up the seam. Um, and so Brady, that's where, he, that's where he goes to look, 
And but at the snap of the play, Morgan Burnett is flying from the middle of the field. He goes right to the scene, takes that takes away the underneath look to, to Gordon. Meanwhile, on the back end, that single high safety look has now switched to a cover two because Sean Davis is covering the left half of the field while Terrell Edmonds has backed up from his, uh, his, his lower position. And now he's covering the deep right half of the field. And now Brady's like, well, crap, my first read's gone. My second read's gone. I can't just throw it over the top on them. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Cam Hayward and TJ Water collapse in the pocket. And here comes Stephon to it. And he's got to throw it away. And Joe Hayden was right in the, right in the area to make a spectacular interception. Those are the type of things that they were able to get done with this dollar defense, Jeff. And uh, you know, I don't know. If, I don't know if it was the exact dollar defense, but they they were de- definitely defensive back heavy a lot in this game. I could see them doing this to Drew Brees, but again, they got to win on first and second down. They cannot allow the Patriots or the Patriots, the Saints, to get those third and twos, thirds and three situations uh, where they can spring out Kamara and Ingram and feel comfortable running the ball. Real quickly, CC. Answer this question for me. Why why wasn't Fort – why didn't Fort play more snaps, in your opinion? Fort has been really the dime backer that they've used with Morgan Burnett. And I was surprised to see that he didn't get a lot of looks in this game. Injury, they felt Vince could do it. I mean, Vince did an adequate job, definitely. Uh, I think I was a bit surprised at how well he did. But wh- why no Fort in this game? I saw it as a communication thing. The one thing that Ford does not have on his side is that he is not the swiftest X and O's football player dude. He's a guy that you give him an assignment, you tell him to stick to a gap, you tell him to watch a man, he'll do it. Um, But Vince Williams, he has the green dot. He is now the guy in the middle of the defense that you can trust to to call plays um, and to call out switches. And Mike Thomas said, said, you know, his press conference, he said, Vince Williams was the man. You know, he, he, he was a center point to relaying all the important information to making sure everyone was in their right spots. That's why he played so much. And I, I you know, I, I know a lot of people have criticized Vince Williams over the years and, you know, he deserves some of it. I but, have, I have, uh, <laughs> but um, he has really turned himself for being a six round draft pick. He has really turned himself into a starting linebacker. That is, that is, that means a lot to this team. And a guy that needs to get more respect across the NFL for what he's bringing to the table, um, not just for his physical play, but for his uh, his communication skills. I'll tell you what, when they lined him up outside the numbers with James White and James White ran a comeback pattern and Vince Williams was all over it. I was like, oh, that's a bad sign for the Patriots, because if they can't get that matchup to work, they're in trouble. Yeah, it's funny you say that, CC, because when I saw that lined up, I said the exact opposite. Oh, oh no, oh, oh no! They got exactly, <laughs> they got exactly what they want. I was saying uh, that right with you before the play, but afterwards I'm like, if they can't get, if they can't win with that, they're in trouble. Like because that was something that they loved to pick up people with. I mean, James White was a big reason they won the Super Bowl against the Falcons. You take, you take that weapon out the game. Now you don't got Grunt. Now you don't got Edelman, and now you don't have James White. You got to try to rely on Josh Gordon, who still hasn't synced up with this team. That was that. That's what I'm saying, man. Like once I saw that, Vince Williams, he's been balling. He des- he deserves all the credit for that game. And I I think that's why LJ Ford wasn't seeing the field. They're like, look, Vince is doing it. We got cover guys that are doing their job, and we're not scared of their ground game. Let's do that. Now you might see some more LJ or some more Boston uh, against the Saints because they run, they like to run the ball more. But um, but right now I think Vince Williams, they're happy with how he how he's performing. It's going to be interesting to see how this game pans out. Uh, in week 16. But while we have you here, CC, what would be, uh, I, I think about, I, I honestly feel like the Steelers offense can move the ball in any defense in the national football league. Um, and so for me, it's the Steelers defense versus the saints offense. What is the biggest factor? We already talked about breeze, but I mean, these running backs are a unique beast with Ingram and Camara. And I know Camara hasn't been as impactful as he was early in the season. A lot of people say that he kind of got beat up when Ingram was suspended. Um, what are your thoughts on the Steelers' defense and their approach coming up to this game on Sunday? Um, my, my, my thing about, about stopping this offense, one, they're going to need Hayden to win his battle with Michael Thomas. Um, and if they get Michael Thomas out against Cody Sensabaugh or Mike Hilton, they need to be aware because that guy can, can kill you. Do you um, shadow him? Do you have Joe Hayden shadow him if you're the defensive coordinator? Uh, see, I, I wouldn't simply because 
I like that the Steelers are comfortable with their with, with, with sticking to their parts of the field and relying on certain groups to communicate on their sides. Like, you know, I, I like the there's chemistry between Joe Hayden and his side of the field, chemistry between Cody Sitzball and his side of the field. I'll live with that chemistry over the over the matchups. But I will take note if Michael Thomas, if we come up with a single high safety look, and Michael Thomas is one on one with Cody Sensible, I will be like, all right, check check, we go, we're switching to cover two. Uh, it, you know, if you want to hurt us underneath, go right ahead. But we're not letting you get that matchup, and that's going to be the tough part. Is if the Saints start to get those matchups that favor, can the can the Steelers defensive front neutralize the the Saints offensive line? That I remind everyone is is a little banged up coming into this. If they neutralize them and let let Vince Williams and John Bostic or whoever's prowling over the middle of the line keep free and keep clean and see the play and cut in and take away the, the, the rushing lanes for Ingram and Kamara, that'll help them establish the balance. They won't be afraid to use two high safeties more and take away the deep balls to support their cornerbacks. Um, and then that's where you start to see them get a little bit more aggressive, some Tampa 2 and some maybe maybe some interceptions start coming their way. But like Lance said, or well, like both of you guys are saying, you know, you expect this offense to put up points. Uh, this offense has not been been the knockout part of this team for for a few for quite some time now. I mean, the last time we saw them do that was against the Panthers, uh, and that was over a month ago. Um, you know, but against the Jaguars, they they dug themselves a hole and dug them back out. Then uh, against the Broncos, they weren't able to really put the game away late. Now, yes, there were some fluky plays with the Grimble fumble and James Conner, but still they and, and James, Ben Roethlisberger's interceptions. Um, but they've been inconsistent the past few weeks. They need to put together a whole game, and they need to start figuring it out so they can start lighting people up because just as the defense needs to be hot going to the playoffs, the offense needs to be even more hot because that's where the star talent is on this team. What about you, Lance? What do you think about the Steelers' defense going against that Saints offense this Sunday? I don't disagree with what CC said. I mean, one thing I was going to ask, and one of the reasons I wanted to get CC in was how much man-to-man you're going to play and, and and how much and what do you do to deal with Kamara as a receiving threat in the red zone it, it, it him in the red Kamara in the red zone is dead it's just it, it's ridiculous yeah it, it, I mean him it, it, it is just a, it's incredible to watch just how good he is in the passing game how comfortable would you be playing some man against some of those wide receivers because I think a lot of the secondary options and the secondary wide receivers for the Saints are just average at best. I think um, you know they got the big boy, the number one wide receiver. But I think a lot of the guys, you might feel comfortable playing some man. How often do you think the Steelers will do it if they will? And how do you think the Steelers will handle Kamara in the red zone? Oh, first of all, I, I do agree with you. I, I'm not as scared from the Steelers of – the, the, the other safe receivers. I do think Traquan Smith could be dangerous. I'm not, I, I'm not telling anyone to sleep on him by any means. Uh, but, uh, you know, I, I look at this team, you know, Benjamin Watson is that old reliable tight end dude that just, he, he's been so consistent over the years. And that's a guy that gets, that, that gets very little love, but I've always appreciated his effort in the NFL. I still remember watching him run down Champ Bailey on a 99-yard interception and slap out at the last second. Um, and, and force a fumble that got the Broncos the ball back in a playoff or the Patriots the ball back in a playoff game. Um, but, you know, but at, at the end of the day, you can't be scared of Benjamin Watson. Uh, Michael Thomas is your main threat. Don't let Smith get open um, and, and let him get, get, get behind you because he, he does have the speed on him. But you're absolutely right. The, 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 a lot of this is going to be if Drew Brees can manufacture those drives that get them in the red zone and get people – uh, and, get, and get his chance to spread out and win some horizontal battles. I'm going. I'm going to go with um, with Terrell Edmonds as as my guy. Um, he's the guy that I'm going to look at, and I'm going to I'm going to say, Hey, listen, we need we need a guy that can stop and turn on a dime, work through the traffic, and get and get and get his man. Um, because when I look at um, when I look at, at some of the things that I've always liked about Terrell Edmonds, um, I see that, you know, in the combine, when he was, when he was coming, he had the second best broad jump of any player. The only player that had, that had more than him was that was Denzel Ward. Um, and the same, the, the same sort of thing went with, uh, I think it was his 20 yard shuttle 
um, that was his, that, that he did really well, or maybe it was the uh, the cone drill. But either way, when I was looking at his, his combine results, I was seeing things. You know, people look at the forty yard dash. I'm like, don't just look at the forty yard dash. Look look at the broad jump. Look at the shuttles. Um, and uh, I think it was the six. It was the sixty yard shuttle um, that it, that he that he did that he did well. I can't remember the other one. There was one more, but um, but either way, he's explosive. That's the thing. He can stop, cut, turn on the dime. And when he and when he and his zero to one hundred is much quicker than I think any other Steelers defender that's going to be moving out there, um, and that's where he can be really useful. His size, he's you know he's going to be able to wrap up uh, Kamara. I think also if he gets matched up with Ingram, he can take on the power back. He, you know, he's not afraid to to to, to let it loose and, and let the shoulder pads fly and make a play on somebody. So um, definitely a talented guy. That's the guy I assigned to Kamara. And I know Benjamin Watson, you know, is, is a tight end and all, and they don't want to get hurt by the tight end, but you got to trust Morgan Burnett or Sean Davis to t- take that guy away. But get get your get your rookie out there on Kamara. Let him use his athleticism to beat him. Yeah, I think you guys are spot on there. It's going to be interesting. Let's go over some predictions now. Uh, let's go through the AFC North. Well, actually, let's just do one AFC North game because it's really all that matters. Um, Ravens Chargers, Saturday night, 8.30 p.m. Eastern Standard Time. Who do you see winning this game? Reminder, it is in L.A. So who do you like in this game, and uh, what do you think the final score will be? Let's go with Lance first. I like the Chargers to win 31-17. Okay. What about you, CC? I got Chargers 27-16. I think that Lamar Jackson is not going to be consistent enough. Uh, I think that Phillip Rivers is going to figure out enough against the Ravens defense to move the ball put some points on the board. Mike Williams, if he's healthy, gets a, gets a, gets a really good game. Um, you know, it, I, th- I think that they're going to do enough. I know that LA stadium is nothing to be feared, but uh, I think that they're, they got the weapons to, to max out against the, the, the Ravens and put them in a serious hole going into week 17, trying to make the playoffs. I'm going to go against the green. I, I think the Ravens win. Uh, the Ravens are a tough team. Um, I know Lamar Jackson, as you all have said, you know, there's tape on him out now. They, this is just a different beast. I don't know that there just hasn't been a guy like this in the NFL in a while, at least RG3, who is ironically on the same roster, um, comes to mind. I think the week out a win, I'm going to go with a score like, I don't know, 24-21, and that's just because they have the best kicker in the National Football League on their team. So I'll say that the Ravens win, keep the pressure on the Steelers. Let's go to the Steelers game. CC, you don't have to give us a score prediction, but how do you see this game going for the Steelers down in New Orleans? Um, And who's the winner? I see it as a slow starter. I don't think that either team gets into a barn burner mode. I think they will both be working horizontal offenses rather than vertical offenses. Um, And I don't think either will take as many risks early uh, unless they see something, unless there's defensive breakdown. But I see this, Going into the half, maybe around like a a fourteen thirteen, a fourteen ten sort of sort of range that either team could be ahead on. But I, I do see uh, I do see the Saints kind of pulling pulling out late against the Steelers, just because I've been I've been the more I keep looking at their defense, I think that they're going to be able to create some pressure situations on Roethlisberger and not let him do as much as he wants with you know in in, in the pocket and create the extra plays. Um, and I do think Drew Brees, he's still, he's still a masterful quarterback. I think he's a little bit more dangerous than Brady, and he has better weapons than Brady, and that's going to challenge the Steelers' defense just enough. And I think it's going to be one of those weeks where the Steelers' defense is going to do a really good job and limit the Saints to, like, 24 points or something like that. And, but when the Steelers' offense doesn't put up more than 24 points, it's going to be all blamed on the Steelers' defense uh, when they lose. What about you, uh, Lance? What do you think? Well, you know, I love – Crab Etouffee. I love Jambalaya. I love gumbo. I like beignets. I like chicory coffee. And uh, I like the Saints in this matchup. I think it's going to come down to, you know, sort of what CC said. They have a better defense, a more consistent defense, in my opinion. And the quarterback is playing much better and is taking more. Uh, he's protecting the football a lot better than Ben Roethlisberger. If Ben Roethlisberger was playing a little more sharper, more sharp football and taking care of the football a little bit more and not really embracing that inner gunslinger to the tune of the 15 interceptions this year. I would pick the Steelers to pull the upset. 
I, I just think the Saints are the better football team, and I think they'll win a close ball game at home. You know, the funny thing is, is that for all the criticism we give the Steelers about how they're not playing up to par, that the offense isn't, you know, living up to the standard that was set earlier in the season, the same exact thing could be said about the New Orleans Saints. Since they lost to the Dallas Cowboys, they have not looked the same. They have not been as explosive. Michael Thomas has not been a factor. I think that trend continues, and I think the Steelers are actually going to be, it was going to use, are going to use that Patriots win as a stepping stone. Um, I don't think they lose again in the regular season. I think the Steelers go down and stun the Saints and win a very close game. And like I said, I don't think Boswell misses a kick. I think it's going to be close. I don't think it's going to be as high scoring as some people may think, but I think the Steelers win. I'll give my score prediction tomorrow night, excuse me, on our preview show. But I, I'll go against the grain again for the second time tonight. I think that the Steelers win the game. Um, depending on how the, the Ravens do, maybe they clinch the AFC North. It would be the first time that a, a team has done that three times, three years in a row since realignment in 2001. So that would be interesting to see if the Steelers can pull this off. So, um, CC, we're getting ready to end the show. Do you have anything to say to the Steeler fans out there or anyone listening? Uh, I, I, I got to counter to you right there. The one thing sure. I want to say about the Saints, and yes, they haven't been putting up the Playing points. at home, right? Playing at home. Exactly. They, they, the last three games were, were against or on, were on the road in Dallas, in Tampa Bay, and in, in, in Carolina. Those are two division games and a tough defense that the Cowboys were, were, were playing um, I, I don't. I, I th- I'm not saying that they're they're guaranteed to put up big points just because they're at home. But they are a different offense when they're at home. Their last two, the last two home games, the last three home games, 31 points, 48 points, 45 points. Um, you know, and, and again, those defenses, they're not the Steelers. That was the Eagles with their no cornerback have themselves. That was the Falcons who can't get anything together. So, and that was the Rams who basically give up points because they trust their offense. Um, so, absolutely, the Steelers could stop them. Um, but I, I agree with the. But I, I, I do think they definitely have a shot to win this game. And I do think it's more of a toss up than most people will give it credit for. But I just want to say, the, don't don't just look at their last three games because I think that that, that might be a, a, an anomaly. But uh, the, no, the no um, huddle, the no huddle is going to be key for Pittsburgh. They're going to have to be able to run that no huddle to perfection. So we'll see. Go ahead, CC. But yeah, man. Uh, everybody, I'm uh, just glad to have glad to Jeff and Lance probably back on the show, man. Um, I'm still I'm still doing my thing at DK Pittsburgh Sports. Uh, you can follow me at Carter Critiques on Twitter. Um, stay stay you know stay tuned to the game, y'all. There's a lot of great things to be watching. I still do the War Room and Carter's Classroom, where I evaluate players. Do have player interviews on on our things. I have grades. I have film review, um, and we do we do lots of analysis there at DK Pittsburgh Sports. And right now we got a Christmas special going on. You get a subscription. You get a uh, a cartoon canon. Uh, book. It's a really special gift for all Pittsburgh fans because it has um, illustrations of, of, of several of the major Pittsburgh sports moments, and they are beautiful, beautiful comic booking pictures. Check us out at dkpittsburghsports.com and give us a try. All right, Lance, go ahead and send us off, my friend. Only thing I have to say is uh, Merry Christmas, man. Happy New Year. Happy Holidays. Next time, You'll hear from us. You'll hear from us on Christmas Eve. If you celebrate Christmas, you'll hear from us on Christmas Eve, and you'll hear from us after Christmas. So, I just want to say happy holidays from all of you to all of you. I want to thank all of you for supporting our program and supporting all the things that we do. It's a labor of love, and I'm glad that you guys are on the journey with us. So, happy holidays to you and yours. Yeah, I don't know. Uh, in California, the Christmas Eve might be on a different day. But the game's on the 23rd, so you'll hear us on the 23rd. You messed up. I messed up the calendar. Don't point Don't blame me. Don't say I messed up anything. I did not say we'll talk to you on Christmas Eve. Hey, if Lance wants to do a solo show on Christmas Eve, he can. I will not be present for that. I hate hate both of you because I'll be working on Christmas Eve. Just like like we all knew, Jeff wasn't going to vote, wasn't going to... Pick against the Steelers. Come on now. <laughs> hey, when they win, you're gonna say, "Man, Jeff knows what he's talking about." <laughs> hey, hey, Jeff, what, what's your record picking the Steelers this year? Uh, eight five and one. Eight five. Oh, okay. So you picked yeah. them to lose one. Okay, solid. solid. No, no, no. They, they just tied. <laughs> oh. <laughs> 
So it's eight five and one is the right. Yeah. That's, that's, that's <laughs> In other words, I picked him every week to win. Every week. Every hey, week. there's just something about this team, man, that I just always see so much potential. And I'm I'll always you, I'm always waiting for that potential. Like for instance, another thing is I'm waiting for Antonio Brown to have one of those games where he goes ballistic. I still think it's going to happen, and it's just a matter of when. Could it be this week? Absolutely, it could be this week. Um, I don't know if it will be, but you, you wait for that potential to just kind of finally start to come through. So I don't know. We'll see. But, yeah, I like picking the seed. I've always – I'm that guy that looks at the schedule and says, yep, 16-0. <laughs> 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 hey, what do you guys mean if it can't happen? Hey, look, look at this. Exactly. Exactly. So, all right. Well, CC, thank you for the time, Lance. As always, I appreciate your time. We'll see you on Sunday after the game for the Steelers post game. Make sure you follow us on all our audio platforms. That's on the Stitch. Uh, that's Art Nineteen. That's Google Play, uh, iTunes, Spotify. We're everywhere, and always on YouTube at BTSE Steelers Radio. Always check us out at BehindTheSteelCurtain.com for all your Pittsburgh Steelers needs. We'll see you next time on the Standard Is the Standard. Hello. I'm Spencer Hall from SB Nation, and I want to tell you about my new show, It Seems Smart. It Seems Smart is a show about people doing things that, for some reason or another, seem smart at the time. Those things might include doing a little cocaine and driving a bike up a mountain, or, I don't know, maybe racing 100 miles per hour across the country in the middle of the night with no one's permission, or even stealing a bat from an umpire's room in a Major League Baseball park. Check it out, and if you like it, tell a friend. I'm Spencer Hall. Don't do anything smart.